Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 71. How's it going? Happy Saturday, this beautiful balmy Saturday in mid-July. I hope everything's going all right for you. Uh, I hope you don't have the fear. My old friend Seth used to just say that I've got the fear and uh, I have adopted it since he uh, probably like uh, the late 90s and uh, you know there's that pulp song the fear uh, that uh, talks about the fear. And there's a really great uh, Meat Beat Manifesto song called I Got the Fear that I used to listen to a lot in the 90s. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I have got the fear. I'm not going to lie. The world's a terrifying place. Uh, very sad about John Lewis yesterday. That, that was really sad. I was on a Zoom call with some friends and I found out. And I went outside and poured out my beer for him. Uh, and then I, you know, I've definitely got the fear about RBG. That is a little bit worrisome that the cancer's back. She says she's fine. Oh God, man. It's rough. This is rough. We are on a precipice. There's no lion. <laughs> I was going to have a politics section later. Uh, we'll move on for now. Anyway. Uh, oh, I didn't count the days. Let's see. Last week it was there. Two weeks ago was day 119 of quarantine. So I guess that makes today 20. 20- Day 133 of quarantine. <laughs> We're getting close on half a year here. My wife recently was like, I haven't left the neighborhood in six months. <laughs> I don't think it's quite six months yet. It was early March, so April, May, June, July. She's got she's got a while to go yet still. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going on. It's going on. I like her neighborhood, though, and I like her home, so... We are holding up okay as individuals in our enclosed ecosystem. Uh, <laughs> I shouted at my neighbor the other day that I think we're living in the Truman Show. So, <laughs> you know, we're all starting to fray a little bit. Uh, but uh, no, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. I, I keep busy. I, I, I'm sure you've noticed by now, but uh, the projects keep me sane. Uh, as long as I'm staying busy, I can keep my mental balance. So that's good. The kitties are doing well, still feeding the kitties every morning, and uh, yeah, we have all four. A photographer came by, and we did like a socially distanced kitty photo shoot on the enclosed patio. That was a major logistical operation, but it went pretty well. So they've got new photos for the Goat House Refuge, the kitty adoption agency, uh, and there's been an inquiry on one of them, and so it's really going to be time that we make some decisions about how many, if any, we're going to keep. It's hard. It's hard. My friend Lisa was telling me that you can let them go if you feel good about the people and and adopt more kitties. These kitties are speaking to me, but they're also not speaking to me. It's hard to say. None of them are fanny, you know? I miss my old cat. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty sad. Uh, but we like them. They're nice. Jane likes them. She's a little rough with them, but they're kittens, so they don't really mind. <laughs> they're just rough back. It's very different than Fanny, who rapidly taught Jane to be gentle with her. Uh, the big saga this week. Let's see. What do we got going on? Emma washed her switch. (laughs) This was a rough time in our lives. She threw it in the laundry basket to bring the laundry downstairs from the bedroom. And she threw it in the laundry with the laundry and washed it. Not the whole cycle. She remembered before too long, but long enough. It is dead. 
And, you know, she was really upset about it and then probably a little bit embarrassed about how upset she was about it. But we, we had a good relationship talk about the whole thing. And she had been using the switch to help Jane wean. So that's like, that was hard, you know, like Jane would be like, can I have some boob? She doesn't say boob. She says milk. But, you know, then Emma would be like, no, but how about you watch this game? And then also she would sit in her lap when she played it. Like, and, you know, those two alone, right? Like if I had some magical talisman that I could use to make my daughter sit in my lap quietly for an hour, I would use it all the time and I would be devastated if it were to disappear. And then, of course, you know, the weaning, I mean, had to stop. She had to, you know, try other means. It was like, it was rough. You know, that's not done yet. And then, of course, you know, you never feel really great when you make a mistake that costs seven, several hundred dollars, not seven, several, three, I think. And then, yeah, doubly so, and it's still an item that is very rare. So eventually, I, I mean, right away, actually, I just bought her a new, not a, not a new one, a refurb off of eBay, which was like $40 more than a new one, but refurbed because they're still really rare. And one of the controllers on the new one was broken, and the old controllers are broken, so I had to buy new controllers, but you can get those at Walmart, so that wasn't too bad. Uh, so, you know, and the other big thing is Animal Crossing New Horizon is like a game that is the only game on the switch that you can't port the save game, the game save, right? So like you can't send it to another switch. You can't put it to the SD card. So the game is just stuck on the old broken console with her Island that she spent hundreds of hours working on. Right. But I actually think it's a blessing because she, a lot of our friends, a lot of her friends, Jen and, and Ashley, they're all kind of bored with Animal Crossing now. And it's kind of like you get to a point that it's like you just feel like you've done everything. And so we got to start fresh. And for me, that was really interesting. I liked the beginning. I liked watching her play it for the first week or two. And then I stopped watching. And now I got to watch it all again. And she's working on her new island. And like it's all, you know, like I think it probably extended the use a little bit longer. So in the long run, we got through it. This big drama. That's the kind of level of, of drama that happens in the house as a significantly lower stakes than the drama that happens in the rest of the world outside of the house, with which we are engaged, I assure you. Uh, if you've been reading my Facebook posts as well, you know that I'm pretty much off the rails and just talk about politics all the time. All my rules I made two years ago when I started this podcast and the rules I made when I started this post, they're, uh, they're out the window, man. It's just all politics all the time. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Um, it's funny. I'm in this Slack group, uh, the witty Slack, W-I-T-I. It's like all the people that have contributed to this newsletter. Why is this interesting that my friends Colin and Noah do? And they had the same rules. It was like no politics. And last year I tried to write a witty about uh, public authorities, right? And they're like, it's too political. But now the wheels are off in the whole slack all the time. It's like politics, politics, politics. Because how do you not talk about politics? You get the coronavirus got politicized, so you can't talk about the uh, the pandemic. You can't talk about, you know, the town you live in without talking about the protests. It's pretty hard. It's like everything is related, you know? So the wheels are off. Everybody's politicking. Um, but the other big thing, well, another big thing is that, as you know, Emma worked like 800 hours in, is that right? And no, I'm sorry, 360 hours, 400, maybe something like that. More than 80 hours a week for the month of June on the launch of Peacock. And it has launched. So that is exciting. Uh, she hasn't got paid yet, but that's cool. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we downloaded it. I haven't watched anything yet. If anybody out there has watched Brave New World, let me know. I'm kind of curious about it. I Obviously, I liked the book back in the day. Reread it a couple years ago. It still holds up. So I think it'd be interesting. Um, and then my friend Buzz said something really kind of interesting about 
the Apple series that's coming out for Foundation, Isaac Asimov's Foundation. I actually could talk about all this in the television section, but, you know, I'm not. And anyway, he said, like, it could kind of work if you think about it like devs. And I was like, oh, because I always thought the Foundation would be kind of, like, unfilmable, you know, but I think it might work. I don't know. So I'm kind of cautiously excited about both of these. So I don't know. If you've watched uh, Brave New World, let me know. But yeah, Peacock's out, so that was a big project for Emma, so that's cool. Life is returning to normal with the her big work thing done. She picked up some extra work from them, that's cool, for ongoing stuff. And then, uh, you know, the switch is back up and running, so, so we're in pretty good shape. Uh, most of my life is spent, honestly, with work. It's been really busy with work, we'll talk about that later. And gardening, oh man, the gardening. I have been waging battles with the squirrels. They've been stealing my tomatoes. It's kind of pissing me off, but I think I finally won. I, uh, I, I, I put some honey pots out in the yard, a bowl of walnuts, and I got like a, and then <laughs> the walnuts, I bought like two pounds, three, four pounds of walnuts and a lot of walnuts. And then Janet, my mother-in-law was like, you know, these walnuts are actually more expensive than the tomatoes you're trying to protect. And I was like, oh shit, that doesn't work. So I got, uh, thanks to an old barbarian friend of mine, Amy, she said, try black sunflower seed, which is like $8 or 20 pounds at Walmart. So I'm using that. And then uh, Janet sent me a recipe for a capsaicin pepper spray in a spray bottle. So I brewed this capsaicin pepper spray from cayenne pepper and onions and hot Thai chili peppers that I grew. So I felt very good about that. And uh, boiled it down for 30 minutes, let it cool, strained it, put it in a spray bottle, and sprayed the whole porch with it. And they just aren't coming anymore. It's pretty awesome. I think I have vanquished the squirrels. I'm feeling really good about it. I thought it'd be a lot harder, honestly. I thought they were going to put up more of a fight. Uh, like I said on Facebook, I, maybe it's because I watched Caddyshack too much as a kid. <laughs> All the uh, battles between Bill Murray and the Groundhog were just like the greatest thing to me when I was, I was exactly the right age for that whole part. But yeah, so that's good. And uh, so now I am going to have this super abundance of tomatoes um which i was expecting and i'm happy about and you know we use tomatoes every week i make like a greek salad or a caprese salad once a week and i make a pico de gallo once a week so i use tomatoes but like i'm gonna have way more and so i need to can and uh you know i uh, we're off of store-bought marinara sauce i have been using store-bought canned tomato sauce that i was using up that it was in our you know emergency supply but i'm gonna can my own and you know i just want to like do this myself so i gotta learn how to can that's on uh, the agenda for the hopefully by the next time we talk i'll have learned how to can that's that's one of the goals for the next two weeks um yeah and then you know so they did the big rearranging as well like i i had an area in the garage where i did all of my potting and then i brought it out to the porch but emma didn't like the dirt in the garage and i was like that's fair and also i've been thinking about how to like extend this through the year and seedlings in the fall growing season so i got that area and i cleaned it all off and i got like this four tentacle headed uv timer lamp and i covered this whole area this workbench area you know like four by six ish three by six ish and I made that the indoor growing area, and I'm growing some snap peas there, and then I planted uh, some more tied basil. I have like four varieties of basil, and I have two sweets, a Thai, and a holy. And so I'm growing more of that. I'm, I'm trying to just basically grow like 10 basil plants. I use a lot of basil, a lot of basil, and I want to just like never have to buy it from the store again. That's my goal. And I want to get through the winter with it, so like I'm growing a bunch of these plants so I can cut them and all that. And uh, I'm growing some new cucumbers for the fall growing season. I bought a nice garden trellis, and uh, I just planted a bunch more seedlings in there. I did shallots and 
yellow onions and radishes and Brussels sprouts and some more basil and cucumbers. So, you know, getting ready for the fall growing season. I consulted the charts that the state puts out about growing seasons. And they're like, you should get all this stuff in the ground from seedlings in late August. And I'm like, all right, great. So I got like six weeks, which is enough time to let them get a grow from seed. And then I'll move it all outside start culling the old ones, try and recycling my soil. That's a whole other thing. I need to start composting because I'm buying all the soil from Lowe's and shit. And I need to like stop doing that. So I'm going to recycle the soil, get some manure. I don't know where I'm going to get some manure, but we'll figure that out. Uh, maybe the chicken, actually I got the chickens next door. Maybe I can start getting it from Levi. Ooh, I got to do some research there. Anyway, I'm trying to like, keep it more self-contained and not keep buying stuff from the stores to like get my, keep my plants going on my own and keep it all alive through the, the winter. That's my goal. And so then I moved the gardening potting area outside. So outside my studio, there's been like this little area. It's just a concrete pad and it's underneath the upstairs porch and the porch, you know, it's a porch. So it rains and it gets wet down here. And I looked into like buying some of this stuff. You can, you can sort of screw it into the porch, the bottom of the porch and protects the rain. And it's like a big wide flat gutter, like plywood size gutters, but it's, it's a lot of work. So I need to find someone to do it for me. But anyway, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start using this area. Everything just has to be waterproof. So I moved the picnic table there and it's the potting area now. And I got a bin for whatever bag of soil is open. And I got one of those big sort of, we already had it, but I moved it to this area, like with uh, one of those big chests, outdoor garden chests. And I put everything else in there. And I got some of the nice hipster Brooklyn string lights, outdoor string lights that are solar powered. And the whole area is lovely now. And that's like my potting area. And it's right outside my port, my door here. So I can sit out there. It's too hot now, but in the fall, it's going to be awesome. So that was really exciting as well. And, uh, yeah. And then I got like a cool, so <laughs> I was like on the porch harvesting tomatoes and I got, I was like, this sucks, man. And, and like, I was on my knees and I was like bending over and I'm like an old man and it sucks. And I was like, I can't be the only one that has this problem. Old people are really into gardening. And of course, I mean, some half of you probably already know this, but I had no idea. There's like a whole world of garden stools out there and scooters and shit. So I actually ended up buying like a garage one. It's like a a little squat school squat stool you can sit on that rolls around it's got a little tool bay underneath it and it's waterproof so i can sit on it and, and putter around in the porch and cut all my tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers oh it's the best i'm so into gardening uh there are times man i'm like i gotta i can't i'm not gonna lie like our, our domestic life is generally pretty pleasant and sometimes i catch myself thinking i'm okay with like quarantine forever and the coronavirus forever and then of course i catch myself and think of the human devastation and misery that's going on in the world and the constant risk and just because me and my mom and my mother-in-law and none of us have gotten it so far doesn't mean that's gonna can last forever and so i'm like oh yeah no i don't really mean it of course but I'm pretty content not going anywhere. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty chill here. I like it. I, I, I think I'm, I'm a lucky man in the t I've always been a lucky man. I mean, we all know this, but like in terms of the fact that it hit at this year of my life, I'm 48. I've done everything out in the world. I've seen every band. I've drunk every drink. I've traveled everywhere. Uh, my daughter's too young to really care about this. I really like my house. I like my wife. I like got good space. If this had happened in any year previously in my life, it would be a nightmare. Em and I spent a lot of time doing scenarios. Like what if this happened in 2012? What if this happened in 2008? You know? And it's just like, Oh, there's no other year. It could have happened where it would have been better. Like if it happened three years ago, we would be like debating having Jane, right? Like, Oh, it's just, it's, it's horrible to think about. And then I was on a zoom call last night. I was talking to a little friend of mine. I just love her to death but she's been alone this whole time. She's got a little pod now where she's like staying with some other people, not staying with, but a couple up the street that like have brought her in. So she's at least got some social life again, but like she's been alone for like months, you know, and she was sick right before all this. So it was like, she's been alone for like, 
I don't know, like most of the year. And I just, I, I'm aware of all these people out there that live alone. I have some coworkers that are like this and it's just, you know, it's very different for them than it is for me. Uh, people without kids. I mean, less work. Sure. But you know, the kid is still also a joy. It brings you joy in your life and jobs. Same thing. Like sometimes I'm like, Oh fuck jobs. But like, it gives me something to do. It keeps my mind from running rampant. And of course, like it relieves financial anxiety. Like I'm so insanely lucky about where we are at when all this happened. And I do not forget it. I assure you, I assure you. Yeah. So, you know, that's a daily routine. Get up in the morning, water the plants, check them, pick any fruit that are there, go feed the kitties, get maybe if I'm lucky 10 minutes to myself before Jane wakes up. If I'm, I can get the Facebook post done before Jane wakes up about half the time. Then she wakes up. Then I watch her till we watch her together while I do my 750 words. And then at nine o'clock, I feed her breakfast, come back downstairs with her. Usually we play for a little bit until Janet comes over and takes over and I get down and hunker down to work. And then I work. And this week, man, work has been really busy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And Jane's good. Uh, Janet has also started taking her. <laughs> this has been, I can't even convey to you how much of a relief this has been. She has started taking her when we go on her walk in the evening. Because the walk keeps us sane. There's a very steep hill on her walk. It's only a mile, but it's it's a good workout. I mean, it's not like a good workout, but it like at least gets my heart beating for the day. You know what I mean? And um, But with Jane, it was impossible because she walked so slow. You'd basically moseyed up the hill. You never got your heart pumping. And, uh, she just, a, a 20 minute walk would take an hour and a half and I was just losing my cool about it. And so, uh, also Janet likes Jane now because she's two and a half and she's a lot more pleasant. So Janet watches her for an extra half hour each day in the evening so we can go on the walk without her. And it's just amazing. Emma and I get some time alone together, uh, not in front of the TV, just like walking and talking every day. And I love it. It's great. Uh, she also discovered yesterday how to play with bubble wrap, <laughs> Every weekend, all the mail still piles. You know, I don't think we need to do this anymore, right? We've all kind of decided coronavirus isn't really passed by touch, but I still, I kind of like it. I'm into quarantine Christmas. Like all the mail that happens in the week just goes on the table in the dining room. And then on the weekend, I open it all. I do all the recycling, I unpack all the packages and I use them and play and whatever, you know, but, uh, I have Jane with me when I'm doing it. And so I always just find that something's got bubble wrap in it. And I was just handing it to her and she was just kind of fascinated with bubble wrap for weeks. It worked, but she didn't know how to pop it. She didn't really realize what it was. And then yesterday it clicked in her head and it was amazing. She was like, Oh my God, these pop. And she was just like, pop, 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 pop. And like, it was early in the morning. I was doing this at like nine 30 and then I was still upstairs. I mean, not early in my morning, but early in Emma's morning. And it was like waking her up and she thought they were like gunshots. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I was in the middle of this. I couldn't stop her. But, and it was great that today I was like a little hungover from zoom in and I was doing some stuff this morning and she was kind of like nagging me a little bit. And, uh, I was like, Oh, you want some more bubble wrap? Cause she was holding the fully spent sheet of bubble wrap. And I have a ton of bubble wrap in the like utility room because I ship stuff all the time. So I just pulled out another sheet and gave it to her. And she's like, oh my God, it's like baby crack. She just sits there. I can, I can distract her for an hour with it. Also, she's using more and more full sentences and it's insane. That's really crazy. She's just like almost fully conversational. Uh, maybe 40, 50% fully conversational, but it is rapidly developing. I'm teaching her some simple math. I'm, I'm getting there. Four plus one, three plus one, you know, like this is three, add one, that's four, take away that three. She's doing it, but she's not grasping it that it's math. So I'm saying plus and minus as I do it and trying to get her to like have it click, which is of course stupid and ambitious for the age of two and a half. But, and I'm not like one of those parents that even cares if she's brilliant or not. It's just something to do. You know what I mean? Uh, and she's really into my shoulders now. 
which is so much more convenient. I always had to carry her in one arm. Now I can just put her on my shoulder so I can do things with her on my shoulder. She loves it up there. Every time we go through a doorway, she goes duck, duck, because like the downstairs and the basement and top floor doorways are too short for her and me together. And she has to duck and we duck and it's like, oh my God, she loves it. She does it in the main floor as well, even though she doesn't need to. It's super cute. Oh, she's the best. And she started, uh, I wouldn't say she's potty training or wanting to, but she's exhibiting interest in like, she is becoming less and less comfortable with walking around with a diaper full of crap and she comes and tells us and she's like i'm about her some training underwear and she really wants to try wearing those it was a failure but you know she's starting to sit on potties at the, like when asked to it's like it's late but it's starting to come which is really nice i can't even imagine what that would be like uh yeah so she's good and then i ordered some play-doh it hasn't arrived yet but i'm very excited about that somebody mentioned play-doh and i was like wasn't that two and up and i looked in the ages two and up and i'm like oh my god that's so exciting so i ordered like an eight pack of play-doh should be here tomorrow that'll be fun but yeah she's awesome man jane's great jane's great all right hold on i gotta take a sip of my my water here before we start the media section dun 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 all right, yeah, archiving. Archiving's going great, man. I'm 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 in, I'm in the zone. Uh, I got a label printer. <laughs> I, I already owned a label printer, but it was one of those shitty label printers that you had to type on one of those little like those little you know like rubber keys, and it just sucked. And I was like, there has to have been radical advances in label printers in the last five years, ten years. This was a secret clubhouse. My own coworking space was their label printer, and uh, so I bet you do this right. Like uh, you have a device, a gadget. It's old. And you're depressed in your life and you're like, oh, I got to use this gadget and it's oh, such a hassle, you know, like the, the firmware doesn't work or it's slow or whatever. There's something wrong with it. And you're like, wait a minute. It's been like seven years since I bought this thing. I bet they've gone down in price and up in quality. I bet there's like been radical advances and improvements in the quality of your average cheap ass X, right? And then you go on Amazon and you check it out. And basically what I've realized is like half the time you are rewarded in like the most blissful way, right? You're like, oh my God, this is, there's just, this is amazing, right? Like there's some cool like new tech startup that advertises on Instagram that's redesigned the thing from the ground up and it's beautiful and like the industrial design is amazing and the software is better or whatever or just like the, they've gotten to be like four dollars now you know it happened to me with dvd player like five years ago i was like i, I bet they're so cheap and i went and sure enough they're like twelve dollars for a dvd player now that was awesome and so like whenever this happens it's like it, it's interesting it's like a crapshoot right so like i did it with scanners flatbed scanners i have this old i paid a, a mint for it i mean not mint but a couple hundred bucks like over a decade ago it's, I mean, honestly, this thing is done right by me. I've scanned thousands of photos with it, but I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have some new photos I need to scan. And, uh, I bet it's amazing. I bet like scanners now are like $15 and they are like awesome and they look beautiful and whatever. And I went up there and no, no. In fact, uh, Canon, the best scanner they make is the same as the one I have, except for it's in like a darker gray plastic and it has a slightly higher resolution, but mine's already 1200 DPI. So who cares? And there's a bunch of like, you know, weird craft scrapbooking mom kind of drop your photo in a thing and it uses your f phone camera thing. And like, ah, that's just garbage. I want a flatbed and there's nothing, there's nothing better. It's kind of shocking. And I was a little sad about that. 
But then I was like, well, whatever. I can just use the one I have then with a clear conscience. So I got it out from the closet because when's the last time I needed to scan something flatbed and uh, just, you know, boot it right up and work fine. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's okay. But it was a little bit disappointing, right? Like I was really hoping for some beautiful, radical improvement in the technology. I know it's like, you know, my last gasp of consumerism here. I shouldn't even be buying gadgets anymore. But this is like the gadgets that I actually need are tools. And I'm like, well, maybe they just got better, man. Maybe just one more fix before capitalism's dead. Uh, so then I did it with the label printer, right? I'm like doing uh, slides. I got, you know, first batch back from uh, the Kodak box and the stuff from my mom's side of the family. And most of it was old photos. I had them scan it because I just didn't want to deal with the scanner problem six months ago and uh, whatever. Obviously, I made the right decision. Anyway, there's some slides in there. So I was like, I got to organize the slides because Jack just sent me, my dad's brother just sent me 800 more slides. So I already got these two beautiful black archival slide holding boxes that hold 500 slides each. I mean, you know, they're like Adorama $9 boxes, but I just love them, right? And then I was like, oh, I can label each, each box. You open it up and it has like 16 little cartons for slides and you can label them. And I was like, oh, I need a label printer. And I pulled out the old one and I was just like, felt so sad. And I was like, fuck this. And I, and I didn't have any labels for it anyway. And so I was like, whatever, I'm checking. There's gotta be, but there's like a radical improvement in label printers. And there was, and it was just so rewarding. I was like, oh, this is so much better. It's just this cube. It's called the P touch cube by brother. Right. And like, you can use your phone and connect to Bluetooth and use an app and just hit print. And so I just have it over there with my USB charging pool of crap on my amazing USB charger. I don't know if I ever told you about that thing. That thing is beautiful man go up to amazon and google unitech charging station and prepare to have your mind blown that thing freaking rules anyway so i just like got this beautiful new label printers this is black cube it sits right in front of the unitech charging station up against the fender roads and i can just print to it from my phone and it's so insanely satisfying i'm gonna label the world i swear to god uh, anyway, it worked. So I labeled these little things. I got a little, you know, and then I'm all ready. And then Uncle Skip, who's my mom's older brother, just sent me a bunch more family photos from mom's side. Not a lot. Maybe looks like uh, maybe 50. I got, I'm going to scan those off tomorrow. Uh, and so I printed a test book, right? I got all the, I got all the stuff organized in, in, in the files digitally. And I printed a test book and I sent it off to Shutterfly. And it was my mom's childhood, just my mom's childhood, like 30 pages. And it looked really good. And so, you know, I got to do a few adjustments from the skip stuff, but like, I'm going to do one for her childhood, for my dad's childhood. I've now, I got all these photos of their wedding. I got my dad's photos. I got my uncle Skip's photos. I got my mom. I don't think my mom had photos. I got uh, my uncle Jack's photos and I got my grandfather's photos, all of them. So I think for the first time ever, there'll be this amazing photo book of my parents' wedding. I'll do one of my parents' life before, you know, while we were kids, I'll do one of my sister as a kid, my me as a kid. I'll do like, you know, my mom's parents and my dad's parents and I'll make individual books for all of them and I will send like sets of books to everybody and the appropriate sets, right? So like Uncle Skip will get the Venice Coglin book and he'll get the Kathy book and he'll get, you know, those two. And my sister will get the whole set. I'll get the whole set. My mom will get the whole set. My mom's sister will get those two. Jack will get all the web related ones. My dad's brother. Uh, so Christmas presents for everyone fully organized, further incenting them all to send me any other shit they got. Uh, and you know, keeping me busy and keeping the fear at bay, right? It's awesome. It's really working out. I'm feeling really good about it and I'm close to being done. I have not touched the four tracks, however, but that's okay. I might, nah, I got to get that soon. But, uh, this is moving. This is moving. So, uh, the 800 slides I got from Jack, they're off of this other place. I didn't use the Kodak box this time. 
I use this company called DigiMyPicks. DigiMyPicks. I used them seven or eight years ago with my dad's slides, and they now have a much higher resolution scanner, which kind of bums me out. I kind of want to rescan my dad's slides, but I don't think I'm going to bother. They're good enough. And uh, it's awesome. I mean, like Kodak was like, they would text you and be like, okay, we got it. It'll be eight weeks. But these guys are like, we got it. It's in queue. They see, they give you like a like a portal, like a login to a portal and like it shows you where it is in the queue. And when they start scanning, this hasn't happened yet, but each slide will show up in there as they do it, which is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. So I refresh that page every day. I refresh a lot of pages every day. I refresh that page every day. Uh, 538's daily polls, all poll page. I refresh that every day. Check my Netflix queue every day. About seven different sort of tabs for work. All the dashboards and revenue dashboards and, and all that stuff for work. Check the bank balance at work every day. Uh, I got really into QuickBooks. I think I told you guys about that last time. So all my personal finance is finally organized. Refresh that and categorize my expenses every day. Check all the COVID-19 stats around the country every day. I check the national stats, the North Carolina stats, the Alaska stats. Routines, man. Routines. They keep me sane. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that personal family archiving stuff is going really well. Uh, the UHD, Blu-ray stuff, there hasn't really been anything good at Walmart. I finished up the John Wick trilogy. <laughs> I haven't sold any of them on eBay yet. I should do it. I don't know. I just haven't got around to it, but I will get them up there and sold. sold. Uh, Netflix has been going well. I Let's see. I ripped uh, Sausage Party. <laughs> I don't know why. The other day, I, just like, I was like, oh, I missed that movie. I need to watch it again. Although I'm not watching movies, I'm just ripping them. But I got that up there. Incredibles 2 is up there now uh, x-men dark phoenix is up there now and i never saw that i heard it's bad i was gonna go in the theater and then i got a bad review and i didn't go i might, I might watch that anyway uh and far away so close the vim vendors film uh the sequel to wings of desire it's very hard to find a good copy of it netflix had a dvd that's the best i could do the torrents don't really have anything good it's never been put out in blu-ray in america there's a german blu-ray but it's unclear that if it has american subtitles and it's like 60 dollars on amazon so uh, i don't know so there's an SD copy up there anyway. Uh, that's the best I can find. Uh, added a bunch of other stuff. I added Schlafus Bruder. Oh my God, I love this film so much. Brother of Sleep. It's from around 1996. Uh, my friend Annie and I saw it at the Toronto International Film Festival. It is German. It is amazing. It is the weirdest film. I swear to God, it's about a strange boy who was born in the woods of Germany that becomes a avant-garde a church organist and his latent homoerotic friendship with another farmhand. <laughs> it's just so fantastic. It's the weirdest movie, but I love it so much. Uh, and then uh, the name of the Rose, the Sean Connery Christian Slater film is up there because we were talking about that on zoom last week, angels and insects. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this film. It's sort of a period romance piece. Uh, came out in the mid '90s. Has what's his name in it? Uh, the guy that's in Bridge of Spies. Uh, I don't remember his name. Rylance, Mark Rylance, is that his name? Yeah, that guy. Anyway, it's got that guy in it, uh, and it's a great film. It's a very overwrought, tense, subdued, uh, romantic film in Victorian England. And uh, Il Sorpasso, which is like a 1969 Italian, I think, uh, comedy buddy movie. Don't really know much about it. Last night, people were talking about it on the Zoom. They were like talking about how great it was. I was like, I've never even heard of this movie, so I grabbed that, put it up there. I'm gonna try and watch that soon. So, if you are one of my Plex user friends, there's a bunch of new stuff up there for you. You enjoy, enjoy. All right, let's see. Moving on. Music. Uh, sold some stuff on Discogs this week. 
sold four things. Uh, yeah, four things. Uh, an electronic CD, Get the Message. Uh, it's a single. Electronic, of course, is the super group, uh, Johnny Marr and Bernard Sumner from The Order and The Smiths. And uh, sometimes Neil Tennant from The Pet Shop Boys. Uh, I really like electronic. And uh, yeah, they're great. So I sold that. I sold a Creation Records comp, Patron, Patron Saints of Teenage. Creation Records, of course, is the famed record, independent record label from England from the 80s and 90s, founded by Alan McGee. Alan McGee was singer-songwriter have it in his own right with a band called Biff Bang Pow, but better known for putting out such bands as Primal Scream, Ride, My Bloody Valentine, and Oasis. Uh, this comp has most of those. I don't think it has Oasis. It has Teenage Fan Club, it has Sugar. I'm looking over at the track listing over here. Ride, Boo Radley's, House of Love, Jesus Mary Chain. It's a great comp, uh, but I have almost everything on it already. So, you know, I sold that off for 20 bucks. Why not? Sold Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins, which is fine. I own several copies of that. They were one of Emma's favorite bands. So when we first started dating, I gave her a vinyl copy of the reissue. I own the original double purple marbled vinyl that I bought at Newberry Comics the week that Siamese Dream came out. So we're good on that one. Farewell CD. Uh, and a Wayne single, the Ween single, The Friends. I don't even know that one. It's a late period Ween. It's, it's put after my time with Ween. So I was like, ah, whatever. Sold that off. Uh, got some vinyl in the mail. Um, I got two from Vinyl Me Please. I have a Vinyl Me Please subscription. It is... Uh, I kind of messed up. I got a John Mayer C- uh, album, Continuum. And then you, uh, the day they announce the, the vinyl of the month, you can go up there and you can pick an alternate vinyl, right? There's like the main line, Vinyl Me Please. There's like a hip-hop one and a classics one. And you can at least swap between the three. And sometimes they let you swap like for a credit or for a different album. And I thought I swapped the John. I don't like, I don't care about John Mayer. Um, honestly, I've never listened to John Mayer aside from the hit single. And so I thought I swapped it out for something else, but it arrived anyway. And so I must have like not hit submit or something. So that's a bummer. And also last month's album was the White Stripes Distill, which I really liked the early White Stripes when they first came out. It was one of those first few albums. Um, And so I was like, yeah, all right, I'll take that. And then it was delayed manufacturing problems. So I got both of those in rapid succession this week. Uh, the distill is just beautiful red vinyl pour. It's 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 beautiful. Um, so I got both of those, uh, and then I why did I buy these? Oh yeah, so then I got a uh, Julie Cruz. I think I've been talking about Julie Cruz. I've been into Julie Cruz lately because I sold the CD and I was bummed, and I didn't have the second Julie Cruz album on vinyl, and so I bought that. Uh, the voice of love been listening to it a lot this week i love julie cruz man she's great uh for those of you that don't know she is the woman that sings the twin peaks theme so it's just a bunch of music like that her first album was made with angelo badalamenti and uh david lynch and her and him have a symphony they did together but she also has a third album called the voice of love which i just bought there's actually one after that too the art of being a girl which i've listened to and i like but it has not come out on vinyl so i don't have that one yet but um yeah, I've been on a big Julie Cruz kick again. And then when I bought that, I bought that off of Discogs and uh, I have a want list on Discogs. So whenever I buy anything, if there's something they have on my want list, it's good to buy it then because you can save money on shipping. So I did. And I got finally a copy of Iggy Pop's The Idiot on vinyl, which uh, I now own on all three formats. Uh, Iggy Pop The Idiot is one of the few albums I ever bought on cassette because I pretty much went straight into CDs. And uh, then I bought it on CD later because I just love this record so much. It's the record he made with David Bowie. It's his debut solo album. It has the original version of China Girl uh, that you probably know from David Bowie. It has the original version of Fun Time that you may know from Peter Murphy. Uh, it's got some great songs on it, Nightclubbing. It showed up recently in a TV show, and I was like, oh, yeah, Iggy Pop's the idiot. I need that on vinyl. So anyway, I got that as well. Uh, great record. 
And then I got a uh, global communication, blood music, pentamerous metamorphosis. Let me explain about that one. So way back in the nineties, there was this shoegaze band called chapter house. They're pretty good. They had a great reunion show at the middle East few years back that Jesse and I went to, but, uh, blood music was a, a chapter house album. It's really good. And, uh, it was kind of like the height of getting like sophisticated electronica artists to remake remix your rock album. And this one is pretty much the ne plus ultra of that phenomenon, right? So global communication took blood music, the album and completely reworked it in an album length, two LP set called pentamerous metamorphosis. And I actually owned this on CD as a promo that was autographed that I got when I was a music director at a radio station in the mid nineties, but I sold that off on discogs a while ago. So maybe I've talked about this, but I don't know. It's, it's gone. I can't remember when I sold it. Um, and then I got an email recently that they reissued it on vinyl and I was like, Oh my God, I don't own that anymore. And I kind of miss it. The reissue sold out immediately, but I went to discogs and it turns out they had already issued this on vinyl like four years ago. So I bought that version and uh there is even there's another version out there that is the global communication box set of their album that came out around the same time 43 colon 22 and blood music and a 7 lp box set that sam from ghostly sent me a link to and i was like oh my god but i already own both of those albums on vinyl now so i think i'm in pretty good shape i gotta stop i gotta stop i gotta stop but uh i listened to that again for the first time in quite some time and i was like oh my god it's just as good as it ever was it's just a great record i'm not much of an electronica guy but i really love global communication i love that record so that's the vinyl that came in in the last two weeks uh five pieces and two were not really chosen by me so you know i mean I still have a problem, but I'm, I'm getting it under control, man. I'm getting it under control. My finances, I'm spending like half as much money as I used to. I'm, it sounds like I bought a lot of shit. I know it's like bad, but I didn't really, I bought like three records in a label printer. That's like what has kept me happy on the capitalism side this week. So well, two weeks, two weeks. So, you know, that's pretty good. Oh, I guess I had to buy ammo that switch again too, but that's not my fault. It's not my fault, man. It's not my fault. Uh, anyway, music. So let's see. I've been listening to a bunch of stuff. I listened to the new Estelle record, Lover's Rock. It's uh, actually, it's not new. Never mind. So I was thinking about Estelle and I was thinking about American Boy and how that's a great song. And I was commenting about it on Facebook and a friend of mine was like, oh, such a good record. She never made it in America. And uh, she had two more records after that. So I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to them. And I only listened to the, the latest one called Lover's Rock. And I was like, eh, I don't really like this. So I never bothered to listen to the other one. So eh, eh, middling. It's fine. It's one or two okay songs. Then I learned about this project called Five Billion in Diamonds, which was a uh, Butch Vig project from like four years ago that he made an imaginary soundtrack to an imaginary movie with a band, an imaginary band, like a band of other friends, not Garbage. Uh, Garbage being his other band. And uh, they put out an album called Five Billion in Diamonds by the band Five Billion in Diamonds that I had never really listened to. It sounds kind of like an Uncle kind of release. I don't know if you guys listen to Uncle, but it sounds like that, you know, like sophisticated uh, uh, instrumental rock electronica with a different vocalist on each track. But there's some good stuff in there. It was pretty good. Then I listened to J.K. Flesh, Depersonalization. J.K. Flesh is yet another project of Justin Broderick. Justin Broderick is sort of the grindcore metal guy behind Godflesh and Jezu, or his two main acts. Uh, this is not as grindcore or metal as those, uh, but it's a good record. It's sort of dark melodic, and uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Then I listened to two albums by an act called Barry Black. Barry Black is the electronica alt side project of Eric Bachman of Archers of Loaf. 
Uh, I've noticed a lot of people do this. Lloyd Cole does this too. They like do their singer songwriter thing. And then they have these weird ambient electronic experimental albums. <laughs> I think they do it like, it's funny. Cause I'm actually thinking you're doing one. I think it's a way to like get to know your studio. Right. So when you're ready to be a singer songwriter, you don't have the studio interfere with your music. You can, you did all that when you're making your weird blippy electronic album. So he has two, uh, tragic animal stories and human. And I enjoyed human, which I think is the newer one a lot more. So, but, uh, yeah, it's worth a listen. I wouldn't bother with tragic animal stories. I'm sorry. I love you, Eric Bachman, but you know, that one's probably skippable. Uh, and then I listened to Nina Simone emergency ward, which is a live album that Nick cave was writing about in his newsletter. And I love Nina Simone, but I didn't know about that album. So I listened to that. It's five songs. Most of them are John Lennon solo covers. And, uh, like my sweet Lord is on there and isn't it a pity. And they're just fantastic. It's fantastic. She's really, I mean, Nick, it was a lot, not lying, man. It's a great record and she's an amazing human being. And it's just fantastic. I've been listening to that a lot. Uh, and then my friend Y Mike sent me a band called pink shiny ultra blast, all one word. And he sent this EP called songs, which is one 18 minute work, but it has pauses in it. And it sounds like a four song EP, but it's in Spotify as one and song. It doesn't really matter. Cause I would like to listen to it all at once. Makes it hard to star the track in my playlist for, you know, drive times. Why I'm still starting tracks for drive times. I don't know because I'll never drive or fly or walk around New York again, which is the only time I ever listened to that playlist, but I'm still making it. Uh, and then they had an album as well. And that was called miserable miracles, which is a great name and is fantastic. If you're a shoegaze fan, I strongly recommend pink, shiny ultra blast, really, really solid shoegaze. And then the big thing for the week is I've been listening to the call. So yeah. Okay. So the call, do you guys know the call? I mean, you probably know the call, right? Uh, it turns out the call is like one of those acts like Howard Jones that you're like, eh, if I could listen, I would sing some songs to you and you would know one. You'd be like, Oh, that's the call. But in fact, there's like five that you probably know. So for me, it was let the day begin. I love that song. I saw the call live in like 1991 in Boston at the Boston garden with hot house flowers. Something happens in tribe, but, uh, <laughs> Oh, and masters of reality. They played that that show as well uh ginger baker's band <laughs> uh anyway the call yeah so let the day begin is a great song and i love it and i was like i bet the, i bet the rest of the call is really good so i listen to the best of the call oh because emma listens to first wave on xm radio all the time on the main floor of the house and they're playing some song and i was like oh this is one of those one hit wonders i don't really know this one and uh, at the end, the guy's like, oh, yeah, that was the call. And then moving on, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, it was? What? Uh, is that a different call? I'm very confused. And I also always get the call mixed up with the alarm. And I was like, maybe that was the alarm. I don't know. And I was like, I, I should sort this out. I got nothing but time on my hands. I had to quarantine. So I go downstairs and I, you know, put the call on Spotify and I'm like, okay, let the day begin is not the most popular song on Spotify. Uh, the, uh, the, the most popular one is called, I still believe, which is, I'm like, okay, well, what's that? Is that the one that I play it? And I'm like, oh no, this is not the one they just played, <laughs> but I know this one because it was on the lost boys soundtrack, but not this version. So I go research that. And it turns out that on the lost boys soundtrack, which is mostly covers, by the way, I never put that together, but the lost boys soundtrack is mostly covers. And, uh, there's a cover of, I still believe by the call on it. I'm like, okay, well, this is a great song too. Uh, what's number two? I mean, number two is let the day begin. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then number three, number three is a song called the walls come down. I'm like, this is an awesome song. I know this song is amazing. You know, and, uh, na, 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 na. but that's not the one I just heard on XM either. And so the fourth most popular one on, uh, Spotify is the one that they play on XM radio all the time. It's called everywhere I go everywhere I go. And I'm like, my God, man, the call has a million great songs. <laughs> 
And I was just like, oh, this is amazing. The call's amazing. So I listened to their double CD uh, greatest hits. Uh, and uh, I'm like, well, this is really good. And so then, like, I already knew this part. I put it together a couple years ago when I went and saw Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. But uh, Robert Levon Bean, the main guy in Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, is the son of the lead singer of The Call, Michael Bean, right? So I know this because I had seen Black Rebel Motorcycle Club cover Let the Day Begin quite some time. Not that last show at Cat's Cradle here, but like, mm, let's say 10 years ago in, in Brooklyn, at Music Hall of Williamsburg, they covered Let the Day Begin. And I was like, that's awesome. That's a great song. And I went home and I learned that, oh my God, he's his son. Okay, that makes sense. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but you know, I never really, it never all clicked. And so I'm reading the calls Wikipedia page and it turns out that like, uh, Michael Bean later in life, cause I'm like, this guy's a brilliant songwriter. What, what happened to him was in fact, just spending his time as black rebel motorcycle club sound man in his later years. Right? And, uh, he died not that long ago at a festival in Denmark that black rebel motorcycle club were playing at and he was doing sound for. So he died of a heart attack at a festival and I was like, Oh, that's really sad. And I really, I couldn't have, you know, I obviously I recently lost my father and I was like, man, what was it like for Robert? Like, did he, did he pass away before, after the show? Did he have to go out there and perform a show? Not with his dad, not on sound, which is bad enough, but also his dad just fucking died. And I just felt so bad for Robert Levon Bean, and it was terrible. And, uh, it really reminded me when my friend Jill passed away and I was at South by Southwest and I was walking through the lobby of the four seasons and I got a call from Vicky and she told me what had happened, but I was walking through the lobby to go to the convention center and get on this panel in front of like a thousand people. And so I just like stopped and swigged like two shots of Fernet at the bar and walked to there and did the panel and just sat there in front of all these people when one of my best friends had died. Anyway, it made me really think of Robert Levon Bean. And uh, it turns out that after Michael Bean died, the call got together uh, in LA and they did a show where Robert Levon Bean sang all of Michael Bean's parts, right? So that's different than the cover of Let the Day Begin I had heard many, many years ago. I think Michael Bean was still alive then. But uh, yeah, so that is not on Spotify under the call or Black Rebel or Robert Levon Bean, but it is. it was pressed on vinyl, so I've ordered it, but I haven't heard it all yet. So that's pretty cool. But I've been so into the call. I, it's weird, right? Like, there's just a great band, and I never knew. And I've like, had let, I let the day begin. It gets in my head like once a month for like the last 20 years, but I never bothered to do all this research. That's kind of my theme of uh, quarantine, basically. All the things that I had no time to think through or learn or figure out or process or whatever. I'm just trying to get them all done. Uh, I don't know what that means for the rest of my life after quarantine. I maybe I'll, I don't know, but uh, ooh, I went to a dark place. Anyway, uh, The Call, they're a great band. <laughs> and then my friend Nick sent me a video of a woman named Elizabeth Cotton doing a song called Ain't No Lie Live. I knew nothing about this woman. And he's like, oh, you know, she's, you know, she's from your neck of the woods. And I was like, wait, what? And it was just fantastic. So the weird thing here is Ain't No Lie is a song by this woman named Elizabeth Cotton. And, uh, but I know it as a, his name is alive slash Ida song on a 480 promo from the mid nineties. And I always thought that Ida and his name is alive wrote this song. Right. And, uh, so I said all this to Nick and he's like, wait, let's hear that. And so I sent him the cover and he's like, oh my God, I had no idea this existed, but I had no idea about the original. I didn't know anything about Elizabeth Cotton. I didn't know that she was discovered by the Seeger family when she was, they were her, she was their maid. She was born in Carborough. She was self-taught on the guitar. She's like a domestic servant. Most of her life. She left her husband in DC when her wife, daughter was old enough to get married and she moved in with her. She, uh, Pete Seeger and his family like found, discovered her musically and started putting her records out and she had to relearn 
learn guitar later in life. She's one of the first Folkway recordings. She's just amazing. So I just plowed through like pretty much everything they had of hers recorded on Spotify. The classic one, uh, the original sort of Folkways one recorded by the Seeker family is Freight Train and other North Carolina folk songs and tunes. Uh, there's a live album up there called Live with an exclamation point. And there's one up there called Volume 3, When I'm Gone, which is fantastic and also has a, Ain't No Lie. Her big hit is Freight, Freight Train is the big hit, so you might know that one. It's been covered a lot. Uh, volume 3 implies there's a Volume 2 and a Volume 1 out there somewhere, but I haven't, I haven't dug those up yet. But uh, anyway, I've been listening to a lot of Elizabeth Cotton, C-O-T-T-E-N. She's great. I strongly recommend it. She'll warm your heart. And uh, Carborough Rocks, man, or Folks, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, then John Whitney, old friend of mine who, uh, is DJ and, uh, runs a record label and he's just phenomenal taste in music. I just recently posted this week, two of his CDs he made for me a long time ago. He let me know that there's this guy I would really like. His name was Ian William Craig and the album is red sun through smoke. And I just listened to it this morning and it was great. It's like sparsely ambient, folky, noisy, weird, spooky, very well done. Ian William Craig, red suns through smoke. Great record. Then my friend Nick texted me about an old CSS album, and I never really listened to the whole album. I've seen CSS, and I listened to them, but I never listened to this one all the way through. I can't say this or sexy, and uh, it's great. I forgot all about them, and it really made, it cheered me up. So thank you, Nick, for that one. And then somebody sent me Kylo, K-I-L-O. I can't remember who, but they were they were correct. I think it was in a Facebook comment. Uh, if you like this, you like Kylo. And I did. I uh, just listened to it this morning as well. Maybe We Could is the name of that album. And it needs a second listen, but it was really solid. There's a bunch of singles. Uh, I posted a record mix on Facebook, and it had Little Boots on it. I think it was from like 99, know, yeah, 2002 or something like that. No, 2007. Anyway, uh, Little Boots. And uh, I was like, oh, I wonder what happened to her. So I went up to Facebook. No album in the last 10 years, but a lot of singles. One was called Jump, and there's like four more. I just plowed through all the Little Boots singles. None of it was as good as the old hits, but uh, it's good. It's solid. It's good to see she's still working to make good stuff. There's a new Massive Attack EP, Utopia, E-U-T-O-P-I-A. And uh, it's very political. <laughs> and I was listening to it, you know, it's got like spoken word samples over their creepy massive attack music and the spoken word samples are about like wealth inequality and global warming. And I'm like, yeah, this is massive attack. This is what they do. And I, you know, I saw that awesome massive attack, Adam Curtis show at the armory in New York, which was fucking fantastic. And I was like, uh, this is, they only released this single on YouTube, right? So it's up on their Discogs page. And I was like looking through the singles list and I was like, is this, I would on any other format cause I would buy this if it is. And it's not. But then weirdly, I noticed in like 1992, right before Mezzanine came out with Angel, they had a, a song called Super Predators, a single, in fact. And it's only it has, it has a single and it's out on the singles box set. And I just missed it. Right. Like the next single is Teardrop and Angel. And the singles before that are the ones that, you know, from like, you know, um, Blue Lines and Karma Coma, all that stuff. And there's this one single in the middle. I just didn't know they put out called Super Predators. And I was like, man. So even back when I thought like they were apolitical, or I didn't realize how political they were, uh, you know, because Blue Lines karma coma all that stuff not that political uh, at least not overtly so and then same with teardrop and angel not that political but right in between there's a song super predators based around the hillary clinton clinton comment back then and they're on that shit at the time and i didn't even notice so i was listening to super predators it's just this pretty short moody ambient piece it's good but you know nothing nothing shocking compared to like the next level up they get when the teardrop comes out as the next single but you know, just interesting, interesting insight. It really pairs well with Utopia because it's like the same sort of thing. Political massive attack. Uh, Bill Callahan has a new single out. Another one last week, they had, two weeks ago, there's Pigeons, which is a great song. New EP called 35 has Pigeons and two new songs because this is like a thing now, right? So like, uh, it drives me crazy. So an artist has an album about to come out. 
they put one single out on Spotify and then they wait like a month and then they put another single out on Spotify. But then that single single two also has single one as a second song on the single two single. And then they'll do it again. And then the third single has a new track and then the two last tracks. And then eventually they've got like four of these and it's an EP. And then like another month goes by and then the whole album comes out and it drives me crazy. And it messes up my playlist in Spotify because like, you know, so now Bill Callahan's Pigeons is going to be in there under Pigeons, and then it might be under there under 35, and then now it'll be under, like, whatever the album's called. Maybe it'll be under there, and now, like, I rely on Spotify to tell me when I'm starring a track that hasn't been, that has already been starred, but it won't do it if they're from different album names, so... They need to fix that, man. I mean, I know nobody but weird train-spotting neurotic people like me notice, but it drives me crazy. <laughs> Uh, and another band that just did that is the, uh, not the doves is doves. They have a new single this week called prisoners. It's awesome. It's even better than the single last week, but the prisoner single also includes a single from last week is a track two in this single. So it was just a mess, but it's a great song and I'm so excited. Doves are back. It's really exciting. And then uh Japanese breakfast. Nick sent me this one too. Uh, they covered head over heels by tears for fears. And it's quite nice. I really like Japanese breakfast. Saw my cat's cradle back when you could see live music. That was a great show. Daddy Issues, Japanese Breakfast, and Now Now. Ooh, what a good show. And, uh, yeah. And uh, Black Belt, Eagle Scout was in the next room. Ooh, man, that was a good day. Anyway, uh, very good single. And so that is it for music. Woo! All right, television. Yeah, we're not really watching a lot of television. Um, we're watching Succession. We're almost done. We got, like, two episodes left. I started it back in June when Emma was still working on the Peacock stuff and she would listen from the next room, but she didn't really care. And then finished the first season that way. And then once she stopped working so much at night because Peacock was, you know, mostly done, she joined me in watching it, but we don't really watch TV much in the evening, maybe one episode, three or four nights a week. Uh, not, you know, I mean, Emma works in television. We don't have any, some sort of anti-TV bias in this house, but, uh, just, you know, tired and Jane and uh, then the animal crossing thing. And, you know, uh, Oh, we, you know, we watch Hamilton one weekend, one weekend day, night, I got zooming sometimes. So, you know, it just hasn't been a lot, but, uh, I like it. It's weird. It's like, it's well-written in the sense that there's very good dialogue and, uh, it's decently written from like a business reality perspective. It is, I feel very manipulated. Like it is definitely written to get the plot to the next point, which I think is a lot of TV shows are like that. And it kind of bothers me. Uh, you know, writers used to like authors when they're being interviewed, they'd be like, Oh, you know, I just let the characters do what they would do. And I don't really have a choice where the plot goes because you know, the characters have their own personality. And I used to think that was such bullshit, but now I'm kind of like, I like that better than what's happening here where, you know, like for example, uh, Shiv was sent to meet with Rhea to, to convince her of something. And Rhea says, well, if you want to convince me, the best thing to do is to get on that stage and do it. And then she goes into the room to tell her dad that she needs to be on the stage, but neglects to inform him that that, that like, she just doesn't use the best argument she has that she just got from a mission that he, whatever. My point is, is like, it, they set it up in a way to, they just wanted to show a good argument between the family and the argument is very good and it's very well written, but it's unrealistic because she wouldn't have done it that way. And that kind of stuff bothers me a lot. And I think it's like bothers me more in TV shows. And I have a theory that like it bothers a lot of people over time. Like when they realize they're being manipulated, this is Californication definitely suffered from this first few seasons. It's just so funny. You don't care. And then eventually you're like, nope, they're manipulating me. That wouldn't happen that way. And I'm starting to feel it. And I mean, I felt it the whole time in succession, but I think it's going to get worse for other people as it goes on. It is very well acted. It is very funny. It is like, uh, you know, dialogue is very, very good. 
And uh, my friend Josh said it like makes a lot more sense and is more tolerable if you just think of it as a portrait of a lot of people making the wrong decision all the time. And that is absolutely the case. Everybody's pretty dumb and awful, but uh, you know, there's this thing about it that I just kind of bugs me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and then I watch Hamilton. We watch Hamilton, a Disney event, blah. Um, and man, I got to say, that thing was so overhyped. And I like have a friend. She bought, she went the first week it was out and she loved it so much. She bought a ticket for every week, two tickets for every week for a year because uh, she knew it was going to be huge. She knew she could sell them and she could make money off of selling them to pay for the other ones. And it worked. And she's just asked me to go all the time. She's like, you got to come with me. You got to come with me. And I was like, no, I don't want to go. I don't care. Uh, I get it. It's fine. I know all about Alexander Hamilton. I read Ron Chernow books. I read Gotham. I know all about it, you know, but like, and I was like, yeah, I get it. It's clever. You, you know, you use black people to play the roles and it's in hip hop. Okay, great. You know, but like, oh my God, it was so overhyped. And then I watched it and I was like, oh my God, I have never watched anything that's so overhyped that can live up to the hype. It was very good. And we were both bawling and <laughs> I'm just like crying like a baby. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it was impressive, man. And, you know, I do think it is a little problematic that they gloss over George Washington's slavery owning, but, uh, and maybe his wife, but, <laughs> but, you know, obviously it's not like they had their head in the sand about slavery, the whole thing. And, you know, with the, with the cast, as well as the whole subplot with the soldier fighting with the black battalion. And of course, all the digs on Thomas Jefferson. So, I mean, it's there, I, that stuff doesn't bother me. It's telling a story. It was well done. And, uh, man, I was really moving and I get why people like it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm kind of like, it's been a week now. So I'm like returning to normal level about it. But at the time I was like, shit. That was really impressive. One man did all of that. It's really insane. That is quite an accomplishment. Books. Uh, I finished the N.K. Jemison trilogy, Broken Earth trilogy with the last book, Stone Garden. I think I was close to finishing that when we talked last time. Finished that pretty much right after that podcast. It was very good. Happy that was done. Moved on to the end of Policing by Alex Vitale, which I'm about halfway through. It was not as good as I wish it was, but uh, it's pretty solid arguments. Pretty weak in its footnotes. Uh, there was a decent... Uh, review by, um, oh, I can't remember who wrote it. Uh, one of those lefty Vox writers, but, uh, it was good. It's solid. I, I, it's fine. I'll get through it. But really what I've been reading most of the time now are, uh, sorry, I'm out of it. Uh, I will report on the end of policing by Alex Vitale when I'm done. Cause I paused and I moved on to reading Supreme court cases and PDFs. So I have this folder and my Dropbox called Readme, and it's a bunch of PDFs that I never could read because I hate reading PDFs because it's really pain in the ass because you got to pinch and zoom and you can't hold your phone right. But eventually I realized that Adobe Acrobat has a mode called Liquid that does very well with certain PDFs and turns them into readable text on your phone or iPad so you can scroll with your thumb and you don't have to do weird shit. And uh, so I've been reading the Supreme Court cases that came out this year. I started with the Oklahoma one, uh, where Gorsuch sided with the liberal liberals to make a majority that found that most all of Eastern Oklahoma is still a native reservation country, <laughs> including Tulsa. It was pretty crazy. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I learned a lot in that one. You know, I, I learned about allotment. I learned about like, obviously I knew the trail of tears and, um, you know, just kind of put together a lot of Indian history. He really knows his stuff. The argument was a little weak. <laughs> Uh, especially when you contrast it with the arguments in the next case I'm reading, which is the faithless electors case. Uh, Elena Kagan wrote the majority decision in that one. And she's such a good writer. She really is just a fantastic writer. And the argument is almost the exact opposite 
interestingly, in Oklahoma, they are saying that it's still a reservation, even though everybody thought it wasn't a reservation anymore and acted like it wasn't a reservation anymore and clearly expressed that they intended to not make it a reservation anymore. It's still a reservation because they never explicitly said that it wasn't a reservation. And then in the faithless electors case, they're like, well, everybody knows that electors are supposed to vote the way they are. And it's been that way forever. And Hamilton wrote about this way and everybody did this and everybody knows it. So even though it's not written down, we just know that to be true. And I'm like, that's the exact opposite of the argument you used in the Oklahoma case. And, but that's confusing. Um, and John Thomas, is that his name? Clarence Thomas, whatever. Yeah, Thomas uh, did not dissent in the faithless electors case, but he wrote his own opinion. He's like, they're all wrong. Basically, the Constitution just says they the states shall make a process for doing this, and so they have to make a process. But it doesn't say anything else. So the states can do whatever process they want because any power is not delegating the Constitution go to the states. So that's the way I'm deciding this. They're all wrong with this whole like everybody knew it that way thing. And I was like, actually, I kind of buy that argument better. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it was really weird. And honestly, Thomas wrote the dissent in the Oklahoma case. And while I'm very excited, they found the Oklahoma case that way. I actually found his dissent pretty compelling and I'm mildly uncomfortable after reading two of these that I find Thomas's dissents compelling and I'm not into that feeling. It makes me feel dirty. So I'm going to be moving on next to the abortion case, June medical, and then I'll read the two Trump tax cases. So I've been reading those, uh, I read the fact for the Main Street Lending Program, a 75-page document from the Treasury Department that, <laughs> that uh, also converted very well with Liquid, and I read because I'm kind of thinking about using that program at work. Not really seriously, but you know, I wanted to read it. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just, I've got this folder and it's got a bunch of stuff in it and I'm just reading a lot of research papers, stuff like that. So I probably won't get the books for a while. I'm very excited about cleaning this folder out. And then I think in a month or two, I will finish the end of policing by Alex Vitale and then I'll go on with my books. But, uh, yeah, PDFs, man, all about PDFs. I don't think a lot of them are going to convert well with the liquid, but it's pretty cool. If you ever have a PDF that you want to read on your phone and you're annoyed that you can't resize the text or spacing or scroll with one finger or any of that, try using liquid mode in Adobe Acrobat. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so work. Work has been really busy this week. I've been like in meetings pretty much all afternoon, every week, every day. Uh, you know, there's like some fires going around because thanks to Apple, like, making some new rules without a lot of notice, uh, sign in with Apple, some IDFA stuff, which is an ad identifier that they invented and told everybody to use and then said, nope, we lied. You can't use it. A little weird with no notice, uh, but yeah, so, you know, working on all that stuff, a lot of good other stuff happening, so buttoning up some legal stuff. There's some, some findings in the EU around certain privacy protection stuff between the countries, but we're under a Swiss privacy shield, so that kind of works okay. Uh, you know, um, showing up and redoing the pricing models, redoing invoicing, just giving all the processes a second visit. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been busy. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I think I'm just kind of into work again. It, uh, you know, it ebbs and flows in this crazy environment. The first few months it was very hard to focus on work, but now I'm like, all right, this is a long haul. I got a lot of like busy work I've been stalling on. So I've just been like kind of going through that stuff and, uh, it's pretty cool. I don't think I've talked about this on here, but ever since the George Floyd murder, we have been putting Black Lives Matter content in at the end of Time Hop every day. Uh, so for month, more well over a month now, we only got one or two complaints, so that feels pretty good. But uh, you know, still doing it. So doing a lot of research, trying to find events every you know events in in Black History for every day of the month. Uh, got some really good ones up. We did uh, Ida B. Wells' birthday this week. We did uh, you know Frederick Douglass' speech about Fourth of July. Uh, it's been fun, and it's nice that like most of our users are appreciating it. So that makes me restores my faith in humanity a little bit as well. 
but yeah, work, man. Uh, it's, 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 it's a, it's an interesting time. My GDPR lawyer at the Paris office left the firm. So she's going to a new firm. So I'm going with her, even though my main lawyer is still at the old firm because I love my main lawyer. Cause that's the whole thing. My, my GDPR lawyer is such a badass though. She's just amazing. And I'm very excited that she took me with her. <laughs> she's like, after what we've been through, I will never leave you. I'm like, Oh, thank God. I can't live without you. Uh, I have strong opinions about my lawyers, which is kind of weird. But yeah, so I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying work. Uh, it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun. There's, there's some interesting things on the horizon. So we shall see if we can ever talk about them here. Uh, but yeah, that's it, man. I mean, you know, like I still always think I'm going to do some new project, make a new album, write my book. I did proposition a friend of mine that works at a publisher. I was like, do you want to just put my book out? And so <laughs> maybe she'll say yes. Ha ha ha. Oh, actually, no. Uh, yeah. The guy that's doing the Japanese translation of Star Trek, of the Trek book, finished the translation. So, um, I have a friend that speaks Japanese. I'm going to have him double check the translation. Emma's got to co- translate the cover into Japanese. This is going to be a big project in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to write a new forward for the Japanese edition uh, that will cover Picard and sort of current events. And that will go out into Japan first. I got to do all the layout and get in Kindle publishing. That's going to be a nightmare because it's in Japanese. And so I have to go back and forth with the guy and make sure it all looks good in the PDFs and blah, blah, blah. It's going to suck. But once it's out in Japan, I will then update the U.S. edition with the new forward to the Japanese edition as an appendix or something. So there will be some new material in there. That's pretty cool. I'll probably just publish the essay somewhere as well. But, uh, yeah, so I am doing a project. I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> I have a Japanese translation. That is very exciting. Ooh, la, la. So that's it. That was a long one, man. Wow, we're at like an hour and five. Sorry about that. Hope you didn't mind. Uh, I miss you guys. Hope you're doing well. I hope you're holding up okay in these terrible, terrible times. Um, I hope you are thankful. I didn't, you know, dwell on how badly all the states are doing with coronavirus. I, I tried to keep it not too political. Thank you. Take care. Talk to you guys soon.